0: Welcome to Things That Will Help with Buffy Barfoot. This podcast explores what it's like to be human and how to find tools to feel clear, grounded, and happier. The weekly theme will be simple as well as rich and something you can apply to your real life. The human stories ahead do not negate the hard or the dark, but rather point to the lighthouses along the way. This is Buffy. Last week, I was talking with a trusted friend about how people seem to be showing up more honestly right now, like with less of the things that are not them and not relevant to who they want to be. It seems like most self aware people I know are getting to the core of what matters and they're leaving the rest behind. There's an idea that is really recited and repeated in the wellness community and in the circles of people that are interested in self-improvement and self-empowerment and mindfulness in general, there's this idea that you need to always be doing something that scares you or that's adventurous and something that's vastly out of your comfort zone in order to grow and in order to stay in a place that you would consider your highest self or your best version and that you need to be doing this all the time to stay on your toes and I don't think that this is completely untrue, and there have been in, in, in my life certain times that I've definitely identified with this and benefited and grown from this advice of just being pushed in the pool as a regular thing. But today, I want to poke some holes in this a little bit and see if this is um, useful to think about it in another way, if there's something that can come out of it for all of us by turning the table on this. The trap that's set from this kind of fear-crushing behavior or seeking adventure that's far away from who you seem to be can start to feel like a distraction and like a waste of time when the fear or the adventure is super arbitrary and it doesn't align us with anything in particular like when it just starts to feel like you're just checking a box or fulfilling an obligation that you didn't really set, but that you have complied with. And I'm not suggesting that we don't tackle things that make us afraid, but I'm interested in getting more specific about why we are tackling what and what it's inching us closer to. For example, I have started to think that being super well-rounded is overrated. Here's something. My my mother, who I've talked about in this podcast, Vivian, does not like sushi. And I really get that. She's from the deep south. She likes fried shrimp, she likes chicken salad, she likes butter. She likes what she likes but if i had a dollar for every time we were with other people who were having sushi and then she would would get a different menu and ask for chicken teriyaki or something like that from the menu and people would just carry on about that choice and like oh well have you given it a, a shot have you tried it more than once um why don't you like it it's so good You should just keep trying it. And I've even heard somebody say to her, oh, it's for a really refined palate. (laughs) So you name it, it's been said to her about sushi. And her and I have laughed about it later. And she's like, nope, I am just not ever going to be into it. It's not ever going to be my thing. But interestingly, she's also said things to me like, I guess I should be more adventurous, more open. I guess I should be more brave in terms of food. But she always kind of circles back to, but I just don't, I don't really want to. I like what I like and I'm, I'm here for the joy of that and the love of food and the love of people. And, and raw fish, turns out, does not give me joy. And I know her mission in life. I know her mission. And mom is not all that interested in being adventurous or in conquering or overcoming something while she's here. She didn't luckily come in with lots of dragons to slay. And I think her superpower, one of her many superpowers, is nurturing other people and finding joy in the most ordinary things. So forcing her herself to like sushi would actually arguably, I think, take her further away from her mission. And on the other hand, so I have kind of a, a polar opposite example, I'll share with you something That I still overcome on a regular basis and choose to to, um, put myself through because overcoming this fear is in direct alignment with my life purpose or with my personal mission statement. Some of you know this, and some of you will likely be surprised by this. I've always been pretty terrified um, while speaking in public like so scared of it that I would have pretty severe panic attacks and go through a whole lot of personal and private anguish before being able to work myself up to it. But ironically, um, I chose a career and and perpetuated a career in teaching yoga, <laughs> where I had to do that every day. But the fear um, over the years continued to sometimes debilitate me to the point of almost shutdown. And one time, I think it was a long time ago, I think it was – about 2012, um, I launched my first ever yoga teacher training program all on my own that was separate from a studio. And I spent months constructing a curriculum and planning the hours we would all spend together and doing that really carefully. And I promoted it. Um, And I was thinking to myself that nobody would likely sign up. And much to my surprise, 22 people signed up which was my absolute cap for the program. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to really have to do this. And leading up to the training, I prepared and prepared, and I worked so hard to have it all just um, really really well constructed and my nervous system as settled as I possibly could. And the day, day arrived, and... We were supposed to begin that evening, and during the day, I became absolutely paralyzed. Like, to the bone, scared. I felt like an imposter. I wanted to run and hide, and and just like, actually, I just wanted to die. I had those kind of really intense feelings, and it was a very frightening day for me. And I remember I called my dad, and I just, I said to him, I can't do it. I just can't do it. And he was non-reactive and he held the space really well. And he said, okay, well, let's talk about all the options. He said, you know, your first option is you really could call everybody and individually and you could give their money back and you could just say, 'I, I can't do it. And he said, or your second option, you could go and you could try it and you could start talking And you could, if it got really hard or really bad, you could tell them that you're having a panic attack and you could excuse yourself and run out of the room. You could share it with them. You could kind of process it with them. Number three, he said you could start talking and it could be kind of shaky and fearful, but you could keep going and hope that it clears up. The panic might or might not clear up. And lastly, he said... You could go and you could start talking and it could go well and you could find your rhythm and and they might not even know that you were afraid or that you were uh, panicking. And he said, and this was pivotal for me, he said, I believe that the something that you have to share with these people is more important to you than the story of the panic is. He said, I think this teaching path is part of why you're here. And you can talk through the panic. You can move through it even while the sensations are making your body want to run. And I listened to him. I was under the covers. I remember literally in my bed when he was talking to me. And I went to the training that evening and I stayed and I talked And I worked through the quakes in my voice, and I stayed, and I taught, and I learned, and I led those 22 people for four months of yoga teacher training. And working through that fear felt so relevant to who I was becoming, to deepening who I was and who who I am. It felt like a very aligned bravery or an aligned obstacle to overcome that was crucial to my growth. Otis, my five-year-old, he has these pink shorts that he loves. And last Sunday, he had a neighborhood friend over, and he wanted to wear the pink shorts and the red T-shirt and the red knee socks and the rainbow vans. He has the whole outfit that he loves. And so he did, and they played really hard, and he got it muddy. And that night, he said, I need you to wash this outfit because tomorrow's the first day of climbing camp, and I need to wear this. Um, because he wants to wear this same thing every day. And this story doesn't really have anything to do with fear, because he's not afraid of wearing this. It's more of a story about not needing to be well-rounded or balanced. So instead of forcing diversity on his wardrobe, I decided to order him enough pink shorts and red shirts that he could just wear it every day for now, because that's what's making him alive right now. My mom doesn't need to eat sushi, and Otis doesn't need to wear blue shorts right now to be adventurous. And some people do not need to overcome panic attacks to speak in public unless it's lined up with where they want to go. Yes, I, I, I will say there's an argument that it will build some resistance potentially. But I also think that because time is of the essence right now, and honesty And building exactly what we want to build is of the essence. If we choose the things that make us the most alive today, then it puts us on the most potent track. And in a way, this episode is a you-do-you kind of episode, but it's also more than that. It's a you-do-you, but really get to the heart of that you and own it. We can get distracted by societal landmarks of you just need to, you need to get out there and do some epic shit and overcome fears and do things that scare you constantly for that that rub just to do it, just to check the box. I was talking this over with my my dear friend Jada, who was letting me kind of bat this around aloud to her. And she said something that I love. She said, I think sometimes that we as humans lose the big picture when we are honing in so intensely on our our personal lists and our goals. She said, I think we forget the big pieces that connect us to spirit and to being fully present, um, to feeling presence when we when we're drilling down on these bravery or adventurous quests. She said it feels like those individual lists turn us away from being fully here when we're concerned about documenting that hereness. The fears that I think we need to look at are the ones that are holding us hostage from the humans who we really want to be. I don't think everybody needs to conquer public speaking for their voice to be heard. I did, apparently. But I think that was because it was a specific part of my calling that required me overcoming that or at least tackling it, at least showing up for it. And I think your voice can be heard in so many different ways. And there are so many ways to be in this world and so many ways to be brave and resilient. And brave sometimes looks very quiet. And staying in one place and, and nourishing one thing. And adventurous sometimes looks like you changing your mind. Or standing still and saying that you like that thing that other people are making fun of. And sometimes the bravest thing you can do is to be yourself. the noise you make the things you offer the hills you climb can be and i think should be curated to your life's purpose i was on a i was on a hike a few days ago with a girlfriend and she spent the year getting super strong and fit and learning how to be a really good health coach and i was in awe when i saw her of the power in her body and as she bounded up the trail in front of me, and we were having a um, really good soul sister talk like honest and raw and vulnerable and very truth telling talk. And as we were talking, I became aware that as I was watching her agility, it had been a really long time since I had hiked, and my legs, in comparison, felt really shaky. And as we crossed this log over this little stream, she kind of bounded over it like Tigger, and I held my breath and I hoped I wouldn't lose my balance. You know, when you're on a hike and there's like there's gravel and you slip and you lose your footing because like the bottom of your sneakers are a little are a little slippery. Well, I did that like 17 times on the hike, and all the while this like kind of uncertainty in my body was coming up all the while this beautiful conversation was happening between us about honesty and about getting wildly clear about who we are. And physically, I felt kind of like piglet. And then we got all the way to the top of this hike and and she bounded up to the top of this rock and said, come up here for this view, this gorgeous view. And I hesitated and my stomach kind of flipped a little bit and she looked at me and she said, do you need help? And I said, no, I'm, I'm just a little bit afraid of heights. And, um, I felt so awkward and this is somebody I I really trust and who's very kind. And she bounded down and sat next to me and she very quickly transitioned. She said, oh girl, I get it. You need to own that. Let's just talk here. And so she made it really sweet and easy for me. And so we did. We talked there. But my inner dialogue was like this. I, as we were talking inside, I was also doing a different kind of um, script. And I was saying things to myself like, oh, I should really work on that. Like I should, I should work on getting to great heights and hike every day and get braver in my body. And I should really put that on the list because I have a, (laughs) a really long list of things that I need to overcome. And why didn't I do that during the long months of the pandemic? And I was sort of beating myself up a little bit as we were talking internally. And then I stopped. At a certain point, I caught myself and I was able to be soft with myself and I took stock. And here's what I remembered. I remembered how much I wrote during the pandemic, how much I wrote when the world closed down. I remembered that I created this podcast. I remembered that I nursed a little baby who really needed me. And in my own way, I was working on being at great heights, at getting strong, at being on my own adventure. And that, those things had everything to do with my particular purpose here. And that's my interest for all of us, is that we begin to see that adventure and bravery and tackling the unknown has very unique flavors for all of us, and once we admit that and realize it and really go with it, that's when we will we will take off because the world needs all types of strong and all types of adventurous, and we certainly do not wear it the same, going back to my mom and her lack of sushi adventure. <laughs> This is a woman who lived in Alabama her whole life, her whole life. And then at 70 years old, she sold her home and moved to Denver, Colorado to be with me. If that's not adventurous, then I don't know what is. So I'm wondering, instead of just doing what the Lululemon bag said... I don't know if it still says that, but it used to say like when you would buy like a Lululemon shirt, they would give you a bag and it used to say a bunch of different slogans and one of them was do something that scares you every day. So instead of just doing that, could we get more specific with our things to conquer? I used to think that I needed to push myself to go to parties and be more social and join more clubs and and be a part of the world more. And at a certain point, I stopped. I stopped because I realized that I come alive more when I'm just with one or two people. And that's one way in which this kind of wild year provided a relief and a turn off button for me that I secretly enjoyed. Being in deep connection is so, so very important to me. But if I try to do that with more than one or two people at a time, then I tend to get anxious. And me getting better at parties, turns out, doesn't really add to the world in any way. It takes up time and real energy that I need for other things. And and I I no longer worry about getting good at that. So somewhere along the way, I realized I could be more myself if I accepted that and nurtured that instead of trying to always get out of my comfort zone. Because in that particular case... I think my comfort zone adds something deep and beautiful in my friendships. Some things I believe are not our hills to climb because they don't add to our wellness. And so often they don't necessarily make us better people. And those hills instead have become distractions for the actual matters at hand. The challenge of of out-of-our-comfort-zone places that feel relevant to me are the ones that when we work through them, we are more ourselves. And the ones that make us feel like, oh, wow, that was big, that was significant, that turn on a certain alive button in us, that's when you know that you're on to something. I just saw a friend of mine post that she's starting a custom woodworking business, and she was just polling her people on Facebook and asking for some good names for her business. It's like um, she makes, well, anything you want made out of wood, custom wood, like things like cutting boards and bookshelves and anything you could think of, I'm, I'm assuming she could make. And I started thinking of some of the names that were, uh, might be good for her, and I was going to text her, but I never really came up with anything good. But I first thought of something like against the grain or something like that, because we tend to think of that as meaning different and good and off the beaten path, something unique. But I started thinking more about it, and, and I don't know much about woodworking, but I would assume you want to go with the grain of the wood when, when you're working with a piece of wood to bring out its natural beauty and to enhance what's already there, what is already natural to that particular piece of wood. So really, it's with the grain. And I never texted her because it it felt like not the right lightning strike you hope for when you find a name for a passion and a business built by someone's individual talents. But it did make me think about humans and how we all have different grains that are natural for us to follow and how so often we're encouraged to go against the grain to make us better and stronger and faster and more resilient, but how when we stop to understand our own grain, the natural way that we already are, then there can be some more pointed ways and more articulate ways to polish ourselves that reveal more of our natural grain rather than less. It's, it's really about self-possession and about path possession, like a claiming of your own path, a claiming of who you are and how honestly you came in and where that might be pointing you. Because I think there are going to be enough hard things that just happen that you're going to have no choice but to overcome without making a list of things to go out and accomplish. Which, which leaves us a lot of permission, I think, to opt out, to opt out of sushi, to opt out of all shorts that are not pink, to opt out of big parties, to opt out of small talk, of anything that leaves you less alive and less you. And this doesn't feel like it's as popular, <laughs> especially in the wellness circles, opting out. But I think it can be liberating in its own way. Because as we get older, the hope is we become even more of who we are. And, and that's what I love about people who, who know who they are. They just know. And you can feel it in their handshake, their stance. You can feel it in their boundaries, in their choices. And they're comfortable in their own skin. And that comes, in some ways, from going with their grain, So to close, I'll say this to kind of sum it up. Don't waste time with things that don't belong to you. Get particular and specific about who you are and why you're here and work with what makes you alive as well as what you've been gifted as natural talent and natural tendency. And I'll also add this quote that I just have always, always loved by Howard Thurman, and I'm sure you've probably heard it, but it's, um, it's always good to hear this one again. Don't ask what the world needs; ask what makes you come alive, and go do it, because what the world needs is more people who have come alive. It's Howard Thurman. Thanks everybody so much for listening today to things that will help podcast. If you would like to become a patron of this podcast, please know that the information for that is always in the show notes. And I always appreciate your patronage and your support. If you do want to become a patron, uh, the minimum ask is only $5 a month. And you also get a bonus practice episode each week that supports these stories and these themes in your physical practice and there's sometimes a meditation too to go along with that so it's kind of a really sweet way to anchor some of these ideas in your body and in your in your brain and in your home in a practical way Um, yeah I think that's it I always love hearing from you please write to me and ask questions if you have podcast topic ideas I'm always open to that Sometimes when you write to me with questions, things are born, episodes are born out of your questions. Um, And I hope that you have a beautiful day. Take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Thanks so much.